0: All right. Oh my gosh. This this is insanity. This is insanity. Let's start here. So I'm Ian Unsworth. Liam Giffrin, Cameron is here, are also staff members here at theorangefizz.com. And we are part. We all are part. Everyone in this space right now is part of the craziest day in Syracuse college basketball history. I'm currently in a hotel in Greensboro about 15 minutes away from the Greensboro Coliseum I just called the game for WAER um, I went to the Jim Beheim press conference afterwards and we were everyone there was slightly stunned when he said I gave my retirement speech last week and no one caught it but then again he retracted his statement. He backtracked, and he gave a lot of insightful, thought-provoking statements. And then he also said, "If the university, you know, the university wants me back, he, you know, he gave his shtick about the university." But we get back to the hotel, and and the bomb drops. Insane. Cam and Liam, feel free to unmute anyone else who would like to join up. And uh, chat about Jim Bayheim, his legacy, whatever whatever else you may have on your mind at the moment, even if it's about the game itself. Um, you know feel free to join up and chat because this is a day that we're probably all going to remember for a long long time, and that the city of Syracuse and the college basketball world will always have. You know, stamped in its brain, just like you know, where were you when Jim Beheim retired? Is going to be a question that Syracuse alums, Syracuse fans, basketball fans ask each other. You know, they're, they're who knows, man. Your grandkid might ask you, "Where were you when Jim Beheim retired?" In thirty, forty years,
1: wild. All right, Cam, you have the floor. Yeah, I'm in utter shock. Yeah, you're right. It's one of those, uh, I think it's in in psychology, they call it a flashbulb memory, where a situation or a scenario happens and you know exactly where you are. And, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line, you'll remember where you are. And yes, I'm not sizing this up to, you know, to, to certain instances. I mean, you think of the 2003 national championship team and, Syracuse beats Kansas and I bet a lot of people that are listening right now can recount where they were when SE won its only national championship but this this comes very close this really measures up to it because I am in utter shock got home and one of my roommates came down shout out Spencer Pierce he came down and said sorry I'm in the middle of a midterm right now but Jim Beheim just retired and just utter shock fell over my face and that's because the speculation and the irony behind the speculation is Jim Beheim has been preaching whether it be to recruits or to the media that he's here to stay whether it be two more years whether it not be a constant or a consistent timetable down the road and the fact that a buzzer beating three in the second round of the ECC tournament and he calls it. I, I am, I am in utter disbelief right now, and I think that the the conversation should now turn to an. I'm glad you brought up his legacy and the coach he was, because now that the season's over, unless you know the NIT committee wants to throw Syracuse in there, which they won't, and, and now Syracuse won't, you know, it, it accept any invitation with this with this bombshell of of news. But now it turns to his legacy. And now I think is the time for the Syracuse community to reflect on the coach Jim Beheim was. Was it pretty at all moments? No. Did he turn this program into a perennial powerhouse? Yes. And over this past season, it's been criticism after criticism. And, and I am of fault to it. You can pl- put a lot of the guilt on me and on a lot of people in the Syracuse community, and rightfully so. Um, But now I think it's time to turn to thinking about his legacy as a coach, just like when Jay Wright left Villanova, just like, you know, when Bill Self calls it a career at Kansas, or when Coach K said he's done with Duke, or Roy Williams hung up his coat at North Carolina, it's time to start talking about the legacy and talking about what Jim Boeheim turned this program into. And I don't think it's too far-fetched to say, talk about what the future is going to look like with Adrian Autry. Because a lot of people thought Syracuse would stay in-house. They did with with Red. And I think of recruits down the line. I think of Elijah Moore. I think of the recruits this year, uh, this past year that are freshmen this year. Are they now more willing to stay because the Jim Bayheim ism around the program isn't there anymore? Or Do they want to go because their calling card to Syracuse was the Hall of Fame coach for recruits moving forward? Is it... I went to Syracuse or I chose Syracuse. that stuck out because of Jim Beheim. because now that's no longer a magnet that will pull someone to Syracuse. Uh, that's my soliloquy, had to get it off my chest. Um, one of the most shocking pieces of information that's happened in Syracuse in a very, very long time because I think all of us thought Jim Beheim he'd call it under his own terms. And it would be at a time that everyone would, would, would kind of see it coming. And did everyone see Jim Bayheim retiring after the season? Maybe five, ten percent of people, but not like this. Not right after a loss. Couple hours after a loss. I am in utter disbelief and shock. And uh, and uh, Liam Francesco Ian. I, I mean, I could keep talking, but I don't really have any more words. Just to just to reset quickly before we we move on here,
0: I'm Ian Unsworth on the Orange Fizz Twitter account. Cam, Liam, Francesco, and also John Eads and Carter Bainbridge who just popped in. We're all staffers at theorangefizz.com. You can check out all of our content there or on Twitter at Orange Fizz. I want to get some of our guests in who have requested to speak. Cuse uh, Friars and uh, Blood of Orange. If you guys want to unmute yourselves and join in on the conversation, feel free. You guys have the
2: floor. Uh, yeah, I just got uh, one question. Do you guys think we stay in-house, so hire GMAC, or maybe Mike Hopkins, or do you think we look somewhere else for a new hire?
3: It's Adrian Audry.
2: They oh, it's a- it's Adrian Audrey. Confirmed, it is Adrian Audry. That will. Oh, okay.
3: Behind.
2: Never never mind. I'm I'm driving right now, so I'm not really sure what's going on. So sorry about that.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I. If I'm going to jump in here. I guess the only thing I'm thinking of is uh, I don't know. He, he's been coaching for over 50 years at Syracuse. And, you know, he's basically built the program up to what it is now. And it's going to be a new era coming forward. And uh, I'm going to throw all my support behind uh, behind Autry and, and G Mack and all of the assistant coaches. And it's going to be a change for sure. So I'm, uh, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. But you're going to miss Jim, man.
0: All right, if anyone else would like to request to speak, oh, we got Tyler Melito in the house. Tyler, joining us now. Um, Tyler, uh, feel free to air it out. You're Q QS alum. I know you love the program near and dear. How you feeling? Bro? Well, guys,
5: I mean, this this came as a shock today, at least for me. Um, I mean, it's just crazy to think that just last year, I remember sitting in a press conference after Coach K's last game, and Beheim was like, I ain't going anywhere. I'm going to be here for a while. And that's and we all thought he was going to retire then, if not even sooner than that. And I don't know what the vibe has been on campus all season, but from what it seems like, he had that same mindset up until Saturday. And I really think it's starting to stare him in the face now that all these guys around him, like he mentioned apparently in his speech on Saturday, that Krzyzewski's gone. Williams is gone. Gray is now leaving that it's that he has no other choice except to hang up his whistle because his game is the game's passing him by come someone. And I think it's hard for him to accept that. But I mean, ultimately I think we all wish him the best as much as he drove us crazy as fans and his media members. But uh, this definitely came as a shock. To the,
0: to the point of the game passing him by, I don't know if it's, the zone, which we saw get chopped up and down every once in a while, or the you know the portal, which he didn't seem very apt to get into, even though he did say that that's the best way to, to win right away. There, every once in a while, you, you would question his coaching. But at, at the same time, the ACC tournament always provides Syracuse fans with fantastic games. The Reese Beekman buzzer beater. Um, I mean, last year's game against Duke, even though it, it kind of got away at the end, was still a fantastic contest and Syracuse teams, even though every once in a while they'd get the floor wiped with them, put out good showings, except for when they were playing Duke, when it mattered most. I
5: totally agree. And I think I, I think the big thing is now that I think there's so many people who have been just saying you gotta abandon the zone, gotta do something different because in the ACC, teams are gonna rip you up in three. And I think Beheim, I think he kind of had this epiphany in the last few weeks. And whether it be Julie talking to him or Wild Hack talking to him or the coaching staff or whomever, maybe, who knows? It could have even been Mike Krzyzewski for all we know, talking to him. And I think it kind of just fully settled into his head that, you know what? I don't want to ruin this legacy that I've built up over 47 years. Because let's be real here. There will never be another coach like Jim Beheim in Syracuse basketball history and there will be very few coaches in NCAA history like Jim Boeheim for what he's done for the game. And it's going to go down as one of those things where, yeah, he might not have won national championships left and right like Coach K or or like even John Wooden, let's say. But you can't deny the fact that he's revolutionized the game. It's just so happened that the game has changed to a point where it doesn't work every single year. I mean, in the tournament we saw in the NCAA tournament that teams couldn't figure out the zone. But you have to make the tournament first, and that was ultimately what did uh, Beheim and Syracuse in the last few years. But I, I'll leave this one here. I'll let you all kill it like you always do. All right.
0: Liam Griffin, want to get some more of your thoughts on this. Um, I know you, you chimed in for a little bit, but what what what's going through
3: your head right now about 15 minutes after the news dropped? You know, I was – quite literally just texting my parents back in Rhode Island on the fence of whether or not Jim Bayham was going to retire. And I told them, entering my senior year of college next year, how cool it would be to have that be my senior season. That's a moot point. Ian and Cam, you guys get that distinction now. Congratulations on that. No, but it was one of those moments where you just pause what you're doing to really reflect because it's like, oh, my God, this is – this is wild. I quite literally was setting my bag down in a Barnes Center locker room about to go work out, and then I see the tweet. I'm just like, I, I, can't, I can't work out right now. I need to go hash this out because 47 years at the helm was Jim Beheim, and you love him, hate him, everything in between. You can't help but appreciate what he did to stick with one program for 47 years is no small feat, and to do it with the success he did as well, even though the program has seen mediocrity over the last decade, we'll never forget those glory Big East days. Requiem for the Big East will never be the same again when it comes to the viewing experience now that Jim Boeheim is done. just I think you said it off the top, Ian. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Is exactly what I'm feeling right now. Just – and – Audrey, like, being announced just like that is just as jarring as well.
0: Francesco Simone,
3: the floor is yours.
0: And if anybody else, by the way, would like to speak, feel free to request and we'll get you in here. You, You will have the floor.
1: we lose Francesco? I think, yeah, we did. I think we did. We did. We did. Ah, Ian, all right. Ian, okay. Question for you. Yes. Um, Hit me. Not not saying that it's fully doing him a disservice, but when do you think is the time where you where you start thinking, okay, Adrian Autry's the head coach. Why? Past the fact that he's you know associate and all that. When when do you think is the point where? us in the Syracuse community and us that cover Syracuse basketball can start thinking, okay, Adrian Autry, what does that do for the program positively or negatively without it being a, um, a almost a negative toward Jim Behan
0: Cam, in, in what sense do you mean by that? Is this,
1: uh, is, is this how does the program change? Kind yeah, of like I, as much as I want to recount, on the legacy of Jim Beham and I think we should definitely do it over the next couple of days, I'm on LG's train thinking, like, his resume itself and everything that he's proven in terms of the 47 years, the national championship, the Big East Tournament championships, you know, uh, perennially number one in the country before, of course, you mentioned the last decade. I think it gets to a point where I'm willing to talk about the whole shift and how Adrian Autry is, is is supposed to change this program because now I'm having doubts about that. I think he's a great guy, I think he's a good coach. But do I think he's the guy to revive a program that is stooped so low? I'm not sure. Cam, um,
0: that's that's something I feel like we can discuss. Like, we can we have the entire of until September. We can talk about Adrian Autry and and what he'll do and what he won't do, whether that's the transfer portal, whether that's recruiting, whether that's making systematic adjustments. But I think today is a day to honor Jim Behan. I mean, the ACC tournament is going on as we we speak. The next game's at 7. They're they're in an intermission right now. But, like, this bombshell has been dropped on the entire conference. And – I think before we can really proceed, we also have to see who goes, who stays, right? What, what players are tight with red? Maybe, maybe someone in, internally wanted GMAC to be the head coach, and that's why they're leaving the program, because they were tighter with GMAC when they were recruited. There are so many different variables that go into all that. We have to see where, where the dominoes shake out, let the chips fall where they may, and then we can really evaluate what Red Autry is going to do. I would assume there will be a press conference sometime soon, maybe within the next week or so. And John Wildhack will get up there, and you know, Boehme might get up there. Red Autry, sure, surely will get up there, and stuff will shake out, and and we'll see we'll see what happens, and then we can really talk about what happens with. Autry. I agree,
1: Francesco, that's just, that's Francesco. we got you. Yeah, back Fra- there? Francesco, I just I I wanted to cut in just as a little devil's advocate point. To you know, bringing up different viewpoints, but I agree with you.
0: Let's see, let's see if we have Francesco Samoan, another one of our fizz staffers.
2: Francesco, Ian, I think got... we
0: lost, yeah, we lost you earlier on. Uh, yeah, so the floor is yours.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you, Ian. And Cam, you bring up a good point about talking, you know, what is Red Audrey going to do with this team? How's he going to differ from Bayheim? How's he going to be similar to Bayheim? All that, and that is a conversation we're going to have over these next. You know, whatever it is, eight, nine months until next season starts. But for today, you know, just realize the type of monumental domino this is that falls in college basketball. Jim Boeheim's been around for a half decade. He's seen the three-point line come into, into play. He's seen the game change in so many different ways, from that to the transfer portal, to NIL, to all of that. Francesco, do you mean a half century? You said a half decade. Did I say I have Ian? I'm sorry. Yes, I have century. I have century. Yes, you're right. There you go. He, you call Beheim the last of the Mohicans, huh? <laughs> and listen, that's that's an interesting way to put it. Ian. But he, the, all right, the keep things, rolling. Keep rolling. The the things that this guy has seen, the the changes that have happened in college basketball since Jim Bayheim took over, he's been through all of it, and he has been a Hall of Fame head coach through all of it until really the last two years when it's you know it's kind of bottomed out but the, just the legacy that he leaves behind he's the most important figure in the history of the city of syracuse and that's not an understatement he is the most recognizable person to have ever stepped foot in this city we have a saying around the the syracuse student media circles there's three people in this city who don't need an introduction jesus lebron and jim Beheim. let is that hyperbolic sure but it makes the point of he is one of the most important people around this area that there has ever been. That's the type of person that we're talking about. This is not, you know, some really good coach retiring from a program that he had some success with. He built this program into a national powerhouse, and he's the one who really put Syracuse basketball on the map, you know, when the football team went into the dumpster fire that it's become when you know different things have happened throughout college basketball throughout this the university the city whatever a constant was always Jim Beheim and Syracuse basketball were always going to be there every winter you could go to the dome watch them play and for the most part watch them win he is it's hard to overstate the level of impact he's had on this area on this university on this community and the fact that he's gone now is just almost unconscionable that Jim Beheim is not the head coach of Syracuse basketball. Can't, it's, a, it's a moment that you can't believe is actually real, but it is, and it's, it's going to take some getting used to from all of us, I think.
0: That's a great point, Francesco. And as you as you bring that up, I kind of am going back to my favorite Jim Beheim memories, my favorite Syracuse memories, because they have all happened with, with them at the helm. I mean, whether, whether you grew up when Beheim was playing or whether you grew up on the Louie and Boogie show or, you know, Billy Owens and Derek Coleman, not the 87 team that made that run, right? Early, like, you can go on era by era, and there's always a Jim Bayheim team that's doing something, that's in the tournament, that's making someone else sweat a little bit more because they have to play that zone. My favorite player growing up, Andy Routens right? Another white dude that could shoot the heck out of the ball. Maybe I saw myself a little bit in him, but I also saw Jim Beheim, yerping at him up and down the court. It, it's just a, you know, he was the face of Syracuse basketball. If you have a favorite Jim Beheim moment, feel free to request to speak and we can reminisce on them all. Um, I don't know if I can think of a single specific one. I was two years old when Syracuse won the national championship, but other than that, I mean, the John Gillen shot comes to mind. Beating Duke in their house. 2018 comes to mind against Zion and all those fools. All right. Blood of Orange, you're back. What's your favorite high moment?
4: I mean, the the one that comes to mind is him defending GMAC after, uh, after a season of him being called overrated. He, he stood up for GMAC in that press conference. And. And dropped the f bomb, and uh, you know, came to the the defense of his one of his better players that season, and uh, just really shows that he doesn't care what the media thinks about him. He doesn't really care about uh, his his image. He just cares about the players and and developing those guys into becoming men. And it's pretty amazing that now G Max on the sideline, and he's going to be the uh, the main guy behind Autry. So that's that's probably my favorite moment.
0: That's a really good point. And I mean that's something that was echoed by Benny Williams today. Uh, that one of the one of the press conference questions was, What's you know, what's Coach Beheim taught you the most after he after Beheim went on his retirement spiel? The vibe in the room really changed. And uh, one of the questions was, What's Jim Beheim taught you? And Benny said, Jim ba- Coach Beheim taught me how to be a man you know, how to come in and work hard every day, how to handle my business. And Benny's been through two really up and down years. And even though Beheim's not been his, you know, he's not been holding his hand through the whole whole thing. He's really shown a lot of respect, especially when Benny took the personal day this year. You know, I think that whole situation kind of got shrouded in the press conference that came out of it. But Beheim was very respectful of Benny. You know, he didn't throw him under the bus or say, hey, this kid doesn't want to play. It was Benny. You know, Benny needed a day. He took a day, a- and that was that. I think that really goes to show, at least in in a permanent uh, present context, ha- how Beheim really approached this thing. All right, uh, Vermont Mountaineers, you have a favorite Jim Beheim moment? Go ahead.
2: Yeah. Hey, uh, I can everybody hear me? All right.
0: Yeah, you're you're all good.
2: Awesome. I, I I gotta say, I think my favorite Jim Beheim moment. I gotta go back to the uh, C.J. Fair called charge against Duke, and I know everybody probably talks about it a lot, but when Jim Beheim took off that jacket, man, and just lost it, I just think that that moment to me speaks out just volumes of his character of how much he he passion he just put in over 47 years and just defended all of his guys. Kind of similar to what was said before, but I mean just that moment will forever go down as one of my favorite Jim Bayon moments.
0: And I think it also, uh, I mean, I was watching that back just a couple days ago, not even for the Bayheim jacket toss, but for a uh, Matt Park's call on, on Syracuse sports radio, because that, yeah. I mean, that hand in hand, those, those, those two things go together. I mean, I'm getting pumped up to call the, the ACC tournament game. And I thought, what better than that? And I mean, yeah, again, you can have all these different Syracuse fragmented memories, whether it's a play, whether it's a player like me, Andy Routens, you know, whether it's a, even just going to the Dome. But Jim Beheim is always there. He's omnipresent in, in the Syracuse sports landscape. All right, anyone else with a favorite Syracuse moment, favorite Jim Beheim moment? Francesco,
2: Liam, Cam, feel free. Yeah, Ian, if I could just piggyback on the last one. To me, it's, it's the CJ Fair jacket toss as well. Just because that showed you, to me, that's the moment that embodies who Jim Beheim is in the sense that he wanted to win more than anybody, man. He is, and you don't, you don't usually say this about a coach, but he was just the ultimate competitor. He wanted to win more than he wanted anything else in the world. And to me, that moment just sticks out to say, listen, I, I'm not happy with you, you know, with the reps and whatever. But he, it, was, it just showed his desire to just win a singular game he'd do anything for. It. And to me... That's how I'll remember Jim Beheim the most. Francesca, you took the words right out of my mouth because over the course of the
3: season, I started to realize, yeah, you can give the age kind of the blame for it, but we haven't seen Jim Beheim get that passionate in a while. Sure, he says things impressors from time to time that may make you get a little fired up, but never have we seen him run onto the – God, I'm laughing so I'm having trouble putting words together – but no, that moment right there where he tosses his jacket off, goes up in the official face, and yells BS multiple times and then ends up getting double-teed up. And I was watching Dickie B's reaction to it the other day. Him saying like, you have the right to scream. Come on. That just embodies how passionate Jim Beheim was about the game of basketball and still is. I mean, you, you lose a bit of that athleticism and touch with age, but... As much flack as we want to give him for shoveling out the 2-3 zone time and time again, moments like that show you Jim Jim Deheim wanted to win, and he wanted to win badly. Cam, you got a Jim Boeheim moment?
1: Let me think. <clears throat> I think I come from a really interesting perspective because being from the West Coast and being someone that wasn't a Syracuse fan growing up and someone who – actually preferred pro sports over college sports before I got to college and realized how, how much of a fallacy that was to believe in that way. Um, I never grew up idolizing Jim Boeheim or idolizing Syracuse. So my main exposure has been over the last four years. And if I was to pick one – Geez. I'd probably say, and I know that you guys have talked about this and a lot of people here on the space have talked about it, saying that what Jim Boeheim shows in terms of passion and in regards to how much he cared about the program and continues to care about the program and his players, remember when uh, Syracuse made the Sweet 16 a couple years back? And I think this was after... The win against West Virginia, it might have been. It was after one of the NCAA tournament wins. And remember, that was the time when no one thought Syracuse was really going anywhere because it was the odd COVID year. And, eh, you know, okay, they might win a game. They're an 11 seed. Syracuse does well as an 11 seed. But his camaraderie, and it makes sense why his camaraderie, but his um, joy on camera when Buddy Beheim was being interviewed, and he was right next to him, and he was talking to uh, you know a national scene about and a national audience about how proud he was of his son and how proud he was of the team, and that was one of the first times I've seen Jim Beheim smile. I feel like I'm getting my soapbox now, but it was so it, it was so uh, interesting to see because I wasn't exposed to Jim Beheim treating. His players with with admiration and sticking up for them. I know that you know someone just brought up the, um, the him sticking up for GMAC, and I didn't grow up in the age of remembering that. So my exposure was Jim Bayheim not just as a coach, but all four years that I've been here, it, and you know barring this year, is him as a coach and a father, and as a father figure to his actual son on the court. And I thought that moment a couple years back. If you can find it on YouTube or anything, go back and look up the. Uh, uh, it was it was after one of the games, and Jim Beheim and his son Buddy were. I think it was like a CBS Sports interview. Right. Yes, hearing. it was. And just 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 watching both of them with big smiles on their face, and you start to realize like that is the human behind Jim Beheim behind the guy that's been coaching for 47 years and won a national championship behind one of the most decorated coaches in the history of college basketball. So I'd say, and this has to do with recency bias because I haven't been a Syracuse supporter for as long as so many that are listening right now, it would have to be that moment between Jim and buddy.
0: All right. If any, if anyone else has a favorite Jim Boeheim moment, or just a, a you know a moment that's on your mind currently. Feel free to chime in. Um, again, this is Ian Unsworth on the Orange Fizz Twitter. You can read all our stuff at TheOrangeFizz.com. Drop us a follow here. We do spaces after every game. Uh, obviously, this is the last game for a long time. We've got Carter Bainbridge in the house. Another one of our Fizz staffers. Carter, floor is yours.
6: Yeah, thank you. I'll just speak up with. Uh a moment to me that I I still remember pretty fondly about Syracuse basketball as a program and Jim Beheim, And it's one that's a little bit off the wall, but it's, it's the one that I remember that kind of allowed me to register what the program was. And for the first time I kind of understood getting introduced to basketball, kind of what made Syracuse great. This is all the way back in 2013 in the NCAA tournament. I come from a family of Indiana fans, and that year IU was a number one seed in the tournament in the East region, but the Hoosiers had the misfortune that year, I guess, of being in the same region as Syracuse in that tournament. That was Rakeem Christmas, C.J. Fair, Michael Carter-Williams, a really great Syracuse team. And I remember my dad, who is a huge IU fan, obviously a graduate, As soon as the bracket came out, he started sweating, and he was really concerned about the fact that Syracuse was in that bracket. It was going to take a couple games for those two to possibly meet, but wouldn't you know, IU played Syracuse, and I got to see firsthand why he was so worried. The 2-3 zone was just so venomous in that game. Held IU to 50 points. Cody Zeller had only 10. It held a couple of IU's guards to 0 for shooting. And it was exactly like my dad had predicted. He just knew that Jim Bayheim was going to beat them. And he did. So you want to talk about competitiveness and talk about what Jim Bayheim brought to the program, that reputation of a guy who could beat your team on any day because that defense was so carefully crafted and so curated that he could take whatever team you like and put up against it. And if your team didn't have a great day and couldn't hit its shots, you were going to lose. Even a team that had a couple future NBA players like that Indiana team had. we don't think about them anymore, but we remember that tournament game SU won by 11 that day. And it's still a, uh, a big point of contention in, in my household now a decade on.
0: I grew up a Michigan fan. And I remember playing Syracuse in the final four. And that, that again, was another massive, massive game. Um, I have family in Syracuse, family in Ann Arbor, and those are my two favorite schools colliding. That was a tough one. Michigan pulled it off, but Michael Carter-Williams and Brandon Trish are what I think a lot of my generation, those of us who work at the Fizz now, a lot of you know us seniors and below at WAER and, all those campus media outlets, that's what we remember as the glory days of Syracuse basketball. And I know for a lot of you probably listening, it's very different, whether it's, uh, as I mentioned, the 80s, 90s, 70s, when Jim Bayheim first you know, put on that suit jacket and got it rolling. But I think what we, what we all can say is there are many, many great memories in the bank uh, with what Jim Beheim has done for this program. Cam just left, but I, I did want to bring up his question again. Uh, because it does deserve a little bit of mention because we are somewhat deep into this Twitter space now. Um, Francesco, I'll open this up to you first. And anyone else who would like to answer the question, just request to speak. We'll get you on here. I know, Where does the program go from here? What is the first off-season priority for Adrian Autry? That's the question I'll leave the group with.
2: Yeah, Ian. I think first things first is nobody has any idea what kind of a head coach, excuse me, Adrian Autry is going to be. Nobody can have any idea because he's never been a head coach before. So, the the main thing is you could you know you could say you wanted, excuse me again, somebody outside the program, but yeah, you know, give him some time, give him a shot, let's see what he ends up being. In terms of first priority, it has to be to attack the transfer portal like there's no tomorrow. Syracuse is just not talented enough to be a good basketball team right now. And the talent that it does have, Jesse Edwards, Joe Girard, Judah Mintz, all three of those guys could be gone next year. You have no idea what you're going to have, so attack the transfer portal. Again, Like there's there's no end in sight. Bring in three, four, five really talented college players who are 22 years old, not 18 years old, and turn this program around quickly. That's got to be the mission statement.
3: Francesco, I'll build off of that and say – And I hinted at this in our post-game recap article today, which almost feels second nature considering the news that have broken. College basketball is shifting to a game where it's not centered around recruiting anymore like it once was. It's centered around the transfer portal. And the teams that make miracle runs in March, like Miami last season, I know Zach Glutton, who's a big Miami fan, is in this space. That team was built off of the transfer portal. And that's not going away anytime soon. So, if anything, Jim Beheim is leaving in an almost timely manner because he's gone out and spoken. He hates the transfer portal. He hates NIL. He hates all these new player empowerment rules that are affecting college basketball, in my opinion, for the better, although, although coach may disagree. So, I think you hit the nail on the coffin there, Francesco. This team has to build itself through the transfer portal. If you want to bring in another recruit, that's fine. You have William Patterson right now, but... You need to be able to play the transfer portal to the team because, like you said, we don't know who's coming back and who isn't. We don't know who might transfer among the now sophomore class.
0: Carter?
6: Well, I agree with the transfer portal point because I think the team that just beat Syracuse today kind of provides your blueprint. Wake Forest has undergone a really quick turnaround under Steve Forbes. And part of that was they got a guy named Alondas Williams last year from Oklahoma, who was basically a role player and got turned into a huge scoring threat in the ACC last year. And then this year, you get Tyree Appleby from Cleveland State, who in both games against Syracuse over the past five days or so had pretty decent outings, one in a loss, one in a victory today. So you see the the roadmap there for Syracuse to get a guy in the portal who can make a difference. Even if it just takes one, if you pluck someone out of a, a team where it's a stagnant environment where they don't have the role they want and you introduce something new to them, you never know. You, you could find your brand new leader in the portal. And I agree with Francesco and Liam when they both said that as long as Jim Beheim was reticent about the portal and was reluctant to adapt to the current, um, stage of college basketball it was only going to hurt Syracuse you know you can understand a guy does something for so long and then he looks around and it's completely different you can understand it but at the same time you want to move on to something under Autry that's a little bit different to me though I wonder because this news today was such a surprise you know I was on a space earlier today where we were just talking about his comments and in my gut, I felt that Beheim was going to step away this offseason. I didn't expect him to do it the same evening as the final game. I have to wonder how much the players on the team right now had to know about it. Uh, maybe they did. Maybe some of them did. Maybe some of them didn't. Well, I don't think we'll ever ever really know. But I think Syracuse needs to try and keep as many of them as possible is see if you can lasso back one of the big three, mints Gerard, Edwards, for one more year. See if you can keep the guys, you just recruit it, entice them back by saying, hey, you have a new head coach here. Maybe, maybe you will see you know what kind of minutes you play next year. Maybe your role will change ever so slightly under what Autry wants to do. Use that as a card for your advantage. It's not just going to be the same exact thing this year where – Chris Bell and Benny Williams start a game and get pulled after less than five minutes, right? You don't know. They, they can try and assure the guys who are here now that things may change if they're unsatisfied. Again, we don't have a, a good view into the locker room. We don't know what these guys are thinking about their roles precisely. But in addition to using the portal to your advantage, you, you can't bank on bringing a whole team's worth of guys in through the portal. I think Syracuse proved that you can't. When they, what they did last year, they brought in Jimmy Behan, they brought in Cole Swider, they brought in Saimir. You know, a lot of change, sometimes it can't work out. You're not always going to find Tyree Appleby in the portal. You could find someone who doesn't quite fit your system very well. So, for Syracuse, just as important, in my opinion, is try to keep the guys you have and develop them. Because people have been complaining about that for a couple years now. You just had a very heralded recruiting class. Don't waste it. You know, don't bring in a bunch of transfers and force those guys out the door. Try to work with what you have and play the chips that are already on your team.
0: I don't know. You might only need one transfer for this team to really work. if you get If you get Jesse back and you have every other piece that is not a senior returning, right? say say you get someone to fill in for Joe or you get someone to play the five for Jesse. It could just be one transfer in offseason of development that takes this team to a top five, top six team in the ACC. Because there are flashes there from everyone. Justin, Let's not forget Justin Taylor scored 25 points in a game. Let's not forget that Benny Williams just had one of the best games of his young career. at at the stage of the ACC tournament and has consistently had really good games when put up on big stages. I I always flash back to that Duke game um, his freshman year when they're getting mollywhopped by 20 in the dome, but Benny's still going, Benny's still playing. That that kind of stuff. And there's still a lot of emotional maturity to, to be had for Benny Williams and he, he admitted as such in, in the post-game press conference today. But the talent's there, and we're starting to see it. Again, flashes with Chris Bell. Flashes with Taylor. Malik Brown, pretty darn steady all year. Even some flashes with Quidier Copeland today. There, there's a lot there to work with. It just has to be melded correctly. All right, Jason Clark. So what is Adrian Autry's first part? So I, I
7: think you guys are hitting the nail on the head with the portal, but I'd also take it a step further that I think we need to solidify a staff. And I think he needs to find someone that can really hit the pavement, and get be a lead recruiter because recruiting has definitely fallen off over the last five to six years. And I think solidifying his staff, whether GMax stays or not, but I think he needs to go out and find either a young or a, a proven recruiter to really get the players that he's going to want to build in his program. Because I think – one of our fall-offs over the last five to six years has, has been recruiting. We haven't gotten the top quality talent that we had in the past. And I think that's reflected in the results.
0: So who would you, who would you, would you like here? One name that really comes to mind for me. And I believe one of our staff members, I think it was Ethan Frank wrote about this a while back. Um, I think it, Jason Hart, who was working with the G League Ignite, I believe, or at least over the past couple of years, I think he would be a fantastic ad. Former Q scar, if you've got that pro experience, especially coaching, I, I think that's a guy you totally go after if you're Archer. I think that's a home run hire. And with the you know, the N- NBA behind his name. That's someone who can bring guys. No in.
7: argument there. I'll throw another name that's obviously would be awesome to, to see him come back. Would be if Hopkins does get let go, could he be Autry's, you know, lead, lead lead guy and you know top assistant? Obviously that that that's a wish and a dream, but I think the way we've seen him recruit even at Washington, it would be a huge win for Cuse to get a guy like him back on the pavement. Obviously that's that's hoping and wishing, but I would love to see that potentially happen if if Washington does decide to fire him.
0: Yeah, I just hope his reputation isn't tarnished, per se, or at least he doesn't have a stain on it by going to the West Coast and kind of – I wouldn't say he ran the program into the ground, but it didn't get any better after Lorenzo Romar left. So He was, he was still know, pulling East
7: Coast like, guys, though, and I think that's, that, that's yeah. where I go with that is because I think we're, one thing that I'll reflect on is our recruiting fell off pretty drastically once Hopkins was off the staff. And I think Hopkins was a guy that signed a lot of big name guys as did red, but red being the head coach, I think he's still going to be a heavy recruiting, but I think getting a guy like Hopkins potentially, or Jason Hart will, will help with the recruiting side of things. Cause both those guys have a really good eye for talent and what Syracuse can build.
0: I agree. That's, that's a really good point, Jason. Uh, thank you for that. That's, that's a great thought. Um, and again, another one of those things that gets caught up in the wash because Bayheim goes and, We've had the same coaching staff around the three one five for so long. I mean, maybe even a couple of grad assistants from a couple years back, if Red wants to go really young. I mean Demetrius Nichols, I think of, was I think on the staff recently his last year. Even even in a guy like that. Or I mean, Eric Divendorf, I'll just throw it out there. I don't know if he has any desire to be a collegiate coach, but that guy would kick butt if he wanted to. I mean, he kicks butt in everything that he does, but he would be a kick-butt collegiate coach. So just, just things to keep in mind. Liam and Carter, any thoughts on Syracuse's next assistant?
3: Um, you know, that's the big question right now, Ian, is does Syracuse pull in some assistance from the outside or do they keep this current staff with GMAC, with Alan Griffin, among others, to put that whole thing into perspective. If we we're taught, I'm very torn on this issue because Autry obviously has a rapport with G Mac and Griffin, given that they've been on the same staff. But at the same time, if you want to clean house, you really want a clean house. So, no, there's no, that,
5: I'm
0: going to stop you right there. There's no shot he's cleaning house, LG. We're talking about adding a third, I don't, I don't add a third assistant.
3: I don't think you got to add a
0: third assistant.
3: I don't think he. I don't think he cleans house entirely either. That said, what kind of philosophy does Autry want to bring in, or do GMAC and Alan Griffin see a head coaching opportunity elsewhere? That's 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 your. I think that's a more valid point. I
0: don't okay. think. there's Yeah,
3: that's. And, Any I, would way that with, and I would agree house. with that. And I but would agree with
0: that. GMAC, especially since it's na- his name's been floating around ever since Hopkins went to Washington, could go for a go for a gig I mean it'd end up like you know Greg Paulus at niagara i don't I don't think gmac would get a power five d one job out of you know out of the gates he'd have to start somewhere and work his way up, but could that happen I mean if Matt Langle gets hired away from Colgate could gmac go coach at Colgate by all means yeah. they'd hire him tomorrow
3: he absolutely so, should get pride away from Colgate. I'll just throw that out there on the side,
0: yeah. So all the, all that being said there there is a chance that things things change up with the coaching staff but I think I think Red keeps it similar and add, adds a fourth guy. We've been going on probably close to an hour now I want to say. 50,
3: about 50 minutes.
0: All right. Um if unless anyone else has anything to say uh you know the floor the floor will be yours if you have something else to add but this has been a crazy day uh, for, for Syracuse at the ACC tournament. It's been pretty wild. Um, and, you know, again, as I said earlier, as, as Cam Azair put it, a flashbulb memory. You're going to remember where you were when Jim Beheim decided to hang it up, whether that's in Greensboro, whether that's in Syracuse, wherever you are. You're going to remember when your phone went off with that text or that Twitter notification. And, you know, you think back, whether it's in a minute or it's the next week, but everyone in Syracuse will do a whole lot of reminiscing about what Jim Bayheim did for Syracuse basketball because it, it, it's going to take at least three full books to document. That'll wrap things up here. Uh, thank you, everyone, for sticking around. It's been a pleasure. I'm uh, Ian Unsworth for the OrangeFizz.com. You can follow us there, read all our articles, follow us on Twitter at OrangeFizz. Uh, this was the last Syracuse basketball game, but this fall we'll have live spaces for every SU football and basketball game. Also got some lacrosse content as well from uh, our lacrosse guru, John Eads. So pop around at the OrangeFizz.com. Check that stuff out. And again, thank you so much for listening, and Go Orange!